raise the bar on health, and live with maximum vitality. This is the Vitality Podcast with Andrea Page. Andrea is a Bali-based naturopath redefining health as living with maximum vitality. Tune in for practical life advice and start aligning with what your body wants. Our bodies are trying to talk to us. Let's listen. Hi, everyone. Welcome, 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 welcome. Yay, doors closed. Finally, we start this class traditionally a little bit late because people always come in late. And I'd prefer if you didn't miss the introduction. Um, so welcome to all of you. Who's first? Uh, who's been here before? Monday Night Talks. Awesome. All right, so they all sat together in the back. You know each other, I hope? Meet each other. Everyone else, welcome. My name is Andrea. I'm the director of the detox department here at the Yoga Barn, and it's my honor and pleasure to offer this space every Monday night. It's free. It's a place where we just get to come together and start to think critically about health. A lot of my mission is to help people take their health back into their own hands, because it's been way far too long that we've absolutely disempowered ourselves and given our health away to doctors and other medical practitioners, right? But the thing is that you and you alone have been living inside of your body for quite quite a few years, yeah? For some of you, a few more decades than others. And you know a lot about what's going on inside of your body, whether you recognize it or not. And so the truth of the matter is that all we have to do is start to listen to the message that our body is sending us, right? Or the message is, better said. And so that's going to be the topic of tonight's class. Uh, starting to tune in to these messages. I often say that I'm kind of like a translator from the body. I'm speaking on behalf of the delegation of your body, right, to help you start to reconnect with it. And a lot of the work that I do here at the Yoga Barn is all about reconnecting to the body. And we do that primarily through fasting programs. Because when we fast, when we stop taking in solid fibrous matter, all of the sudden the energy goes inward rather than always trying to process the chemical input that you're putting in. And when that energy is recirculated back inside, you get to tap in inherently to your own internal energy source. And that's powerful. So my little campaign is live for vitality, live for that sense of aliveness that's inside of you at all times. But sometimes when we eat too much or we eat a lot of the wrong things or we don't sleep correctly or we're dehydrated or we're not pooping, those are the pillars, the foundations of health, all of the sudden... Our body isn't alive and vital as it was when we were a child. And so my mission is to help people raise the bar on health, whereby we no longer go simply by understanding health as absence of disease. Have you heard of that? Like, I'm not sick, so I guess I'm healthy? That's as a society how we define health. And my thing is that, you know what? I think there's a little bit more than just not being sick. What if you could feel like you did when you were a kid? That sense of aliveness, that happiness for no reason, right? And that's where we're going to start class today. Because I was driving here, I had a bit of a really full, jam-packed day. And uh, I perhaps did too much and didn't give myself enough energy. And so there was a point in the day where I was like, ah, right? But I've recovered from that, thank God. Uh, and I just had a meeting with Megan Pappenheim, who's the owner, one of the three owners of the Yoga Barn and Bali Spirit and the whole complex. And she is such an invigorating woman. Right? She is just beautiful. All of you are here, in essence, because of her, because about 25 years ago, she had this vision 
right? She moved to, to Ubud and she married her Balinese husband, Kadek Gunarta, who's amazing as well, right? And she said, you know what? People are going to come to Bali. They're going to come to Ubud, right? Because this is the cultural religious capital of Bali. And she said, why not have them come for a little more of a self-giving purpose, right? And so all of the raw food stuff, all of the health stuff, all of the yoga stuff could be, in essence, traced back to her and a few others' vision right, to make this place what it is today. Yeah, and that's incredible. Where you are is currently incredible. What we are doing in, in this Ubud experiment, this Ubud expat experiment, right, and lots of beautiful Balinese who are willing to see a different lifestyle, a different relationship to the body, right, we are doing something that perhaps has not been done. And I've lived in many intentional communities all over the world, but what's happening in Ubud is really unique. And so welcome to that. Yeah, I like to think that uh, I, I help to crank and gear that in helping people think critically when it comes to their body, rather than just listening. Yeah, I often help people forget everything that they thought they knew. Right? Like everything you think you know about health or fasting right, or food or nutrition, where did you learn it? This is a rhetorical question for yourself. Ask yourself, where did I learn all that stuff I think I know? Right? Was it a book? Was it a person? Was it your grandmother? Right? Was it society? Was it in school? Was it on TV? Right? Was it from someone who was trying to sell you something and so they told you that you needed XYZ and thus you needed to buy XYZ? You see that? Where did it come from? Just ask yourself and you can continue to ask yourself this all week. I invite you to do that, because when we start to engage with what we think we know, we can start to clear things out, detoxify in a way, if you will, and be open to learning new things. And that's not from me. All right? I want to be really clear, I am not here to teach you anything. I'm merely here to ask questions, to put forth ideas that then you can experiment with if you want. And through that process of experimentation, through asking yourself and your body, right, you'll find your answers. And those are the answers that I care about. I don't care about what's written in the books or what we think we know. Does that make sense? So, all right. I don't know how I got on that tangent, but I wanted to get on another tangent, which was about Megan Pappenheim, and, and just like I left her feeling much better than I came to her. And it's really important um, that you start to notice that people in your life when you go to them, how do you feel? And when you leave them, how do you feel? The ones where you feel better when you leave, those are the ones that you keep. Those are the ones that you make sure that you make a weekly date with, right? That you keep in your life. The ones where you walk away feeling worse than you did when you came, those are the ones to say, all right, I need to love them more in this way. Maybe it means a bit more distance. Just, just a side thought. And then another side thought, and then I'll get into the lecture, I promise. Another side thought is, is happiness for no reason, right? Just being happy. So everyone smile. It might feel really fake and weird and, and weird. Smile. What's currently going on, it's so nice to see a room of smiling people. What's happening in your body is your body doesn't know the difference if you're actually happy or not, right? The neurochemical release in your brain is the same as if I had said something really funny and you started laughing. Right? And we've done studies on laughter and smiling and happiness. And so sometimes when you're feeling really, really horrible, I want you to just smile to yourself. I want you to look and see something in the world. Ex open your heart. 
and expand your heart and invite someone else into it and say, wow, that person's experiencing that. Let me climb out of this rubbish hole that I'm currently in in my own life and my own perception and see outside of that. Right? And perhaps smile at it, whatever it is. So try that out. That's your homework. Let me know how it goes. Your rubbish bin isn't real anyway. Nothing is real. Not even me. I am a figment of your imagination for whatever reason here to say something. So tonight I will be saying, (laughs) our body is talking to us. So getting into the heart of the lecture now. And just for those of you who haven't been here before, I'll lecture for like 45 minutes and then I'll open it up to questions at the end. So questions that you have, save them and I'll really try to make sure I can see the clock and do, I'll stop in time for you to ask questions. So when we listen to our body, everything starts to change. Because in the 1930s, many different things happened, right? The Great Depression, the end of one war, the beginning of another one, right? The world was shifting and changing. It was the beginning of a time of automization where we started to have lots of things industrialized, right? We started to have automobiles used more, machinery in general. It was like huge shift. In the past hundred years alone, human beings have made more changes on this planet than all of human history combined. So a lot of stuff has happened over the past hundred years. And in that time, it was a time where we started to think differently about our health. The 1930s was the advent of the pharmaceutical industry. And that is a very, 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 very profitable industry today. Do I have any pharmaceutical reps in here? I do sometimes. I get a lot of them as clients, interestingly enough. Most of the time, they're really miserable and they're looking for, for other ways. And so, okay, I'm glad that none of you are (laughs) pharmaceutical reps. Not that there's anything wrong with being a pharmaceutical rep. But we find that it it was a commoditization, right? A monetization, right? An industrialization of our health. And when our health and our food systems became industrialized, that's when things really started going downhill, right? So before I go on, I remembered that I had forgotten to tell you my biases. I always try to do this at the beginning of every lecture, who I am, what I what I think, where I'm speaking from. Um, I'm a natural hygienist in practice, which means that everything I do is based upon the logic and understanding of fasting. Yeah? I have a master's of science in something called ethnobotany, which is the study of the relationship between people and plants. My specialty is gastroethnobotany, looking at food plants, specifically diets. I did my master's field research here in Bali where I was looking at change in diet over three generations of ethnic Balinese and the relationship to rise in disease. Let me tell you, they're very related. (laughs) And then I have a doctorate in naturopathy, so I practice as a naturopathic doctor, which is natural medicine. Uh, I have a big, let's say, bias toward the large intestine, the colon. I'm a career colon hydrotherapist and I'm director of the colonics clinic here. So has anyone gotten a colonic yet here? Yeah, how was your experience? You can be honest. He's good. Okay, good, good, all right, so that's a vouch. Welcome, welcome. Bring the puppy in too. So, awesome. And then the last thing that I wanted to say, if I remember it, oh, of course, is that I've done work with the author of the China study, Colin G. Campbell, Dr. Colin G. Campbell out of Cornell. Uh, and that's a whole movement looking, again, at the relationship between diet and disease and showing that with this change in diet that's happened over the past 100 years in the Western world and then over the past 30 years only in less developed countries like Indonesia, 
This is a concept called the nutrition transition that I would communicate about academically. He communicates on a clinical and epidemiological level to show that there's a very close relationship with eating more processed foods, but you could guess that, right? Foods that are refined like sugar and wheat, right? Higher consumption of animal products, way more meat than we've ever, ever, ever been exposed to, and then higher amounts of oils in general and specifically processed or partially hydrogenated oils, right? And the consumption, the rise in consumption of these five things specifically is what has really paired and led to a rise in our most prevalent maladies of this time. And those are things like cancer, heart disease, autoimmune diseases, obesity, right? And diabetes. The five most prevalent maladies of our time. And the thing is, the studies and the information don't stop there. What they say is through shifting and changing your diet and lifestyle to something that's much less like the past hundred years and something more like the several thousands and millions of years before that by changing back, right? It doesn't have to be a romantic notion, but let's say cutting out all of the processed stuff right? and the unnatural stuff. We can not only prevent, but pause and reverse cancer, heart disease, diabetes, autoimmune diseases, and obesity. And that's big news that the mainstream media isn't really telling you. And so allow that to be something that you can take home, if nothing else. And that's the work I do as well here, is disease reversal. And that's big, because there are very few doctors who are actually working in the field of disease reversal. They do exist, though. Lots of great ones. If you look at my bio on the Yoga Barn website, I list quite a few of them there. All right. So now getting into the lecture, what we have to do to start our first few steps on this path of self-healing, because that's what this path is. That's why we're here to better understand our own physical bodies, to have a better relationship with our own physical bodies so that we can be on the same team. And when we're on the same team, there he is. That was him that she says was good. Everyone, Michael. <laughs> Great. So when we're on the same team as our body, we are no longer kind of deafening its signals through pharmaceuticals, through popping a pill, through ignoring it and just pushing on through our day. Right? Because when our body talks to us, it's intended that we listen, that we stop and listen. And when we do listen, what happens is we can respond. And when we respond, that's when we're on a prioritization of health. That's when we're saying, you know what? Me feeling good is important. Who thinks that? Me feeling good is important. Oh, most of you. I'm surprised, actually. That's awesome. I'm really glad. But a lot of people in the world today would rather sacrifice their own health and their own life for their job or for their family or to make sure that they can pay their mortgage. You see that? So, yes, I mean, that's probably what's brought you to Bali. It's probably what's brought you to a health talk, right? The importance of feeling good, okay? And really, really, really good. I'm about to come out with a book, and I'm deciding on the title. Maybe you guys can help me with it. But like feel good was one of the titles I had. And then I thought it might be a better bestseller if it was like feel sexy, right? But that just doesn't resonate fully. So if anyone has any other ideas how to say feel good with a little more enticing energy, let me know. Anyway, so feeling good, really truly feeling good means that you're on the same team as your body and you're listening to your body. So what I've done tonight is I've listed out a bunch of symptoms, if you will, and in these, 
we're going to start to understand what the message from the body is and what the body wants to communicate. All right, so I have this list here, and by all means, I'm super happy if when we finish this list, you give me 15 more symptoms, and we'll try to translate those as well. So, first up here, I, I wanted to start simple and fun. Achoo! Achoo! <coughs> what does it look like my body's doing? It wasn't my body, it was my mind. I was forcing that. You're right. That wasn't a real cough or a sneeze. But if it were, what is my body doing in general? Expelling. Expelling. I love it. Fantastic word. It's expelling. Okay, well, why would something want to expel something? Why would my body want to expel something? Okay, to release it, but why, why doesn't it feel better when it's inside? Okay, maybe a foreign object. So this is super simple. Let's say I walk past some kind of, I don't know, construction zone and they have a bunch of dust that's coming and that dust is clearly not meant to be in my lungs, so I start sneezing. That's clear. My body is trying to expel something. All right, well, let's take that sneezing into the common cold, perhaps. Right. Well, in the common cold, you could say that there was some kind of infection, perhaps, depending on the type of cold, some kind of bacterial activity happening in the respiratory tract that the body doesn't want there. So what does it do? And it sends it out. Maybe your nose dribbles. Anyone had nose dribbles before? Those are really fun, right? You're like, I'm crying out my nose. It just won't stop. Yeah. What your body is doing is lending some liquid so it can wash out whatever it's trying to get rid of. Right? So sometimes people take these like anti-cough and anti-cold, anti-sneezing medications. Yeah, even allergy medications. And we should get into allergies. I don't have them on here, so we can talk about it now. Right? Well, actually, what's going on is that there's something happening at a deeper level. And quite often, the respiratory system and the digestive system are inherently interlinked. And we have proof of this relationship from other systems of medicine. For example, Chinese medicine. Do you know chi traditional Chinese medicine? We have 14 main meridians, right? So they're mostly paired to organ systems, like the heart or the small intestine, et cetera, et cetera. Well, right here, we have a marriage or a pairing between two of these meridians, them being the lungs and the large intestine. These are like brother and sister, or husband and wife, uh, however you want to think about it. Right? When one happens, when something happens in one, it's evidence of something happening in the other. So the large intestine is a place where we have lots of bacteria, or perhaps if your microbiome isn't strong, not a lot of bacteria. So right, being kind of high on the antibiotics and low on the probiotic side of things, that can start to lead to allergies, right? Or it can lead to a certain sensitivity, which would cause a chew, a chew, a chew, the sneezing. Yeah, so I like to tell the story sometimes of... Um, I grew up in the United States, in the middle of the United States, and uh, my father and I had quite similar allergies. We would always sneeze at the same time. It was really funny. I would sneeze, and then he would sneeze. It was like it was contagious, the sneeze. And our allergies would always start at the same time and stop at the same time. Well, I've moved. I've lived outside of the States for more than 10 years now, and when I go back to visit and it's allergy season, you bet by all means he has nose dribbles, and I'm there, and I'm just like, doesn't affect me anymore because I've done such significant work on healing the microbiome, right? on making sure that the gut is happy so the allergies don't come. Right? It's really miraculous. And this is what I mean by starting to experiment on your own body, because when something like that happens, you can't deny it. That's something that you know very deep inside. And a lot of my work is taking the knowing from here, from your head, to here and here, to your heart and to your belly. 
when you internalize it, right? Because everyone knows that processed cakes are bad for you. But until you come and do a fasting program here, right? And then you leave and you eat some processed cakes and you're like, whoa, that really doesn't feel good because now you're more sensitive after the fast. You can actually feel the effect that certain foods have on you. Right? Then you've taken the knowing from here to here. Does that make sense? Awesome. All right. So cough, sneeze, same kind of thing. A cough is trying to be an expeller, right? So quite often in the respiratory tract, especially, uh, we have mucus. And so I would write this here, mucus, as a sub subtext or a subnote, that mucus is literally the body's defense shield. Your body puts up an armor whereby it says, Woo, I don't want whatever you've put in to touch me. And so this can happen. Has anyone ever had like dairy and you get like a mucusy that was my <laughs> come on guys that was my best <laughs> mucus impression a mucusy reaction in your body this is literally your body putting up a defense shield saying i don't want what you've put in to touch me and so i'm shielding my sensitive absorptive mucus membranes so that whatever you've put in can be covered in mucus and carried out it's like wrapped and shown the door yeah so that's mucus that's coming in your poop that's mucus that's coming out your nose, right? Or even your throat. That could be even be mucus in the corner of your eyes or even mucus in the form of pustules. We'll get into that a bit down the list. All right? Next up, this is a fun one. Ready? Oh, God. Anyone? What am I doing? What does it say? Itching, yes. This is an interactive lecture. I am itching. I might have some red marks after that. Itching. So when you have a scratch and you have to itch it, right, or it feels itchy, this is showing you that inside of the body, right, what color is the, the rash usually? Red. Yes, very good. I'm going to look at you for all my answers now. You know all the answers. Red. What else in the body is red? Okay. What is inflammation made of? Blood. I heard it back there. Yes, blood. So, Whenever something's itchy, it has to do with something in the blood being a little out of balance. Something in the blood is perhaps unhappy, and so we respond by itches. For example, when you take in a food-based thing that you're allergic to, if you break out in hives or something like that, it's that the blood has interacted with the certain proteins. They're called lectins in the food, and the lectins in the blood and the lectins in the food don't get along very well together. And so that's going to respond by a myriad of conditions. It could be inflammation. So that could be like if you have a belly. Does anyone have like bloating? Right? Sometimes your bloating is bouncy like a bouncy ball. That's usually gas. Sometimes your bloating is hard. It's like, why is this so hard? It's the classic Santa Claus body where a man is skinny and his arms and legs and his face. And then he's got this big old gut. Well, that's not a big old gut. That's not fat. That's inflammation. It's excess blood flow to the area. It's the body trying to heal itself. Because the biggest thing that we can take home from tonight and the inherent thesis of natural medicine is that the body always wants to heal itself. And it's able to. So when given the time and space, these symptoms that I've listed here are actually all self-healing responses of the body. All right, so when we have an itch, for example, like if you have a mosquito bite, that's a really common one in Bali, huh? What's happened when you got bitten by the mosquito? It's literally injected something into your bloodstream. No wonder it itches. You see that? All right, so there's a lot more to that, but I want to keep on the surface level so everyone can stay with me. 
Normally when something itches, you have to say, what's going on with my blood? And if you're too busy to do anything else, you can grab anything green and consume it. Not anything, but <laughs> consumable things that are green. Someone takes like green clay and so yeah. Okay, because green, the green color, chlorophyll, is what cleanses the blood. You know chlorophyll, it's plant food, it's made by plants. Well, when we look at this molecularly, chlorophyll is one element different than hemin, which is the color in human blood. And so when chlorophyll, green things, come into our body, all of a sudden it almost like changes place with the blood and is able to detoxify the blood and help to cleanse the blood. Yes. Woo! All right. So from there, we go next to fever. And this is a really fun one because this is where people start to freak out and get really scared. Oh, my God, I have a fever. Oh, my goodness. Right? Oh, end of the day, take some ibuprofen, take some aspirin, take some Panadol, take whatever you will to lower that fever because it's dangerous. Well, let me tell you that what the body's saying when it has a fever is the same thing that I would do as a researcher out in the field. If I didn't have clean water, what would I do? What do you think? Yeah, I would boil it. I would put it in a pot and I would boil that water, right? To try to kill any pathogens or bacteria in the water. Have you heard of that before? We know that boiling things can kill off active bacteria. Well, guess what your body's doing when it has a fever? It's literally trying to boil itself to kill off anything that it doesn't want in the bloodstream. It's like magic. The body has such an inherent wisdom and self-healing capacity to it, right? And I'm going to, well, well, we'll skip down here on the list to scabbing. I want to just uh, illustrate to you the body's self-healing capacity. If you've ever had a cut, what happens? What happens? I only ask easy questions. What happens when you get cut? Thank you. You bleed. Yes, you bleed. Well, guess what? Blood is one of the most antibacterial, right? Disinfectant solutions that we can have. So is your saliva. So is your urine. Right? The body's actually really super clean, even though we tend to think things like urine are really dirty. And so when the blood starts coming out, it's trying to clean itself. And then after that stage goes by, hopefully it's, it's well cleaned enough. And then what does the body start to do? The answer's on the board. Scab. Thank you. See, only easy questions. It starts to scab. So what is a scab? Let's think about this. Yeah, I love it. It's kind of like a body-made band-aid. Right? It's a bandage that your body has created for itself to package in that area of healing. Right? And if it was a deep cut, right, the body's going to start working from the ground up, right, from the inside out to start to heal. It will repair layer after layer after layer after layer after layer until it comes up and there's brand new skin. Everything has been mended and healed. You've seen your body's self-healing capability with your own eyes. You've all had cuts and scabs. You were all seven years old once, yes? Just checking. All right, no Benjamin Buttons in here? <laughs> Good. So that's, that's, let's say, the best illustration that I could communicate to you about how your body can heal itself. And that's really powerful to start to understand that. So do I have any scab pickers in the room? Oh, I love it. The one who was like, scab, scab. The word is scab. She's the scab picker. Very good. So, I mean, not very good. I don't judge good or bad. But now you understand that what you're doing is constantly ripping off that band-aid, that safe haven home that your body has 
made for itself to start this healing process. So do I pick scabs when I have them? No. I leave them as long as I can and I let them fall off naturally because that's when the body has completed its own cycle. You see that? All right. Do I spit and pee on my cuts when I get them? You better betcha. All right. So we go from fever to next ones. These are fun ones. Vomiting and diarrhea. Oh, I told you I was going to act them out. Ready? Good. See, you're smiling. You're doing good things for your physiology. I'm taking humor lessons so I can make people smile. <laughs> Just kidding, but that made me laugh. All right, so vomiting and diarrhea. These are really fun ones, right? What is the body trying to do here? Think critically with me. What was the word that the guy in the back used earlier? Expel. Yes, I love that. Expel. Right? And even better one might be eject. Hit eject. Just spit it out. The body is ejecting, expelling, by all means. All right? So if it comes in the form of vomiting, that's because you've taken in something that got to your stomach and your body said, uh-uh, that's going the other way. That is not supposed to come in here. Right? Or how about this one? If your body's sick, your body needs to heal itself, and I promise you it wants to heal itself always. And so it's sick. It's sending all of its digestive energy to healing. And then you go and you eat something. What's it going to say? Uh-uh, I don't, I don't want that in here. And it'll vomit, you see? Your body's incredibly intelligent. We just have to start to recognize that. Right? So taking anti-vomiting things, uh, not such a good idea because your body is really actually trying to help you. Right? Even if you have that stomach poisoning and you get down to that green bile, right? for sure you have to stay hydrated. There are many ways to stay hydrated. Thank God for IV fluid. That is probably the best gift Western medicine has given us. Yeah. All right, anyway. So when we go into diarrhea, we go to the other end, of course. What is this signal from the body? It's the same thing, except it's something that got past the stomach, and as soon as it got into the intestines, have you ever felt the rumble? It's like the rumble of doomsday to come, right? I have to run to the toilet and... Yes? No? Has everyone in here had diarrhea? You guys haven't lived in India as long as I have? Okay. All right. So, yes, diarrhea. This is when something has literally raced through the system. That's why there's so much liquid in it, because it has not spent time in the colon, the large intestine, where most of the liquid absorption would happen to form stool. It's literally raced through the system and jumped out of your body or been expelled out of your body. And in that expulsion, guess what? Your body's trying to heal you. It's trying to protect itself. Now someone might say, oh, but I've had Bali Belly for 16 days and I just keep having diarrhea. Anyone? Good. I hope not. Sometimes I get young girls who come in here and say that and I'm like, my heart goes out to you, sister. All you have to do is stop putting things in. Because when you stop putting things in, right, the body will heal itself. It'll take care of itself. And then you'll find out, voila, it won't spit things out. But imagine, imagine this on a spitting level, expulsion and all of those ejecting, but also spitting. The body is literally spitting. So if you were trying to spit something out of your mouth, and then someone came and started putting stuff in while you were trying to spit stuff out, how would that go? Not very well. Right? You would probably get irritated. Hello, I'm trying to spit things out. Excuse me. Well, what I'm doing is putting you in your body, literally, in your body's place. So you start to see how your body feels when you're vomiting or you have diarrhea and you continue to eat. 
Right? I'm not telling you to go on a full-fledged fast or go breatharian or never eat again. Hopefully, you can still have lots of water. Right? Maybe coconut water. That's good for electrolytes when you're having lots of diarrhea. But if you don't eat for like a period of 16 or 18 hours, the diarrhea will stop. There's no need to have it for weeks on end. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's really important to start to apply that. So with anything I say ever or tonight, please don't believe me. Verify me. Right? Take your knowing from here to in your body. All right, what's next? Pimples, acne. This is a really fun one. Anyone? Teenage acne? Right. Adult acne? Right. Pimples? Anything like that? Okay, what do you think the body's trying to do? Think critically here. Come on. You know the answer. Just guess. Expel? Okay, all right. We're back to the same thing. The body's always trying to expel things. So why are we trying to hold it in? You see that? Yes, by all means, the body is trying to expel. Now, the kind of acne or the kind of pimple, the placement on the body, the placement on the face, it all means something. It's all a message about where something's going on in the body. In general, this kind of thing is directly related to the circulatory system, which is the blood and the lymph, right? And the digestive system, the small and large intestine specifically, all right? And there's some kind of upset or non-functioning going on in one of those two. There could be excess amounts of toxicity in the blood. There could be lots of lymphatic fluid that's dirty and backed up. How do you clean your lymph? Anyone? Did someone say in private? <laughs> oh, I love it. How do you clean your lymph? In private. <laughs> yes, dry brushing. So that's a way to get the lymph moving, but it's not going to clean it, right? It's going to move it, which is great, but I'm giving you a hint. Ready? Go. Go. Mm. Yes, any excuse to drink water I can get. Hydration. Hydration is what cleans the lymph because your blood and your lymph are where most of the fluid in your body is. And your body, how much water is it? What percentage have you heard? Yeah, anywhere from 60 to 90% water, depending upon how dehydrated you are. I see a bunch of people drinking. I love you, all of you. Yes. And the thing is that most of the time we run low on water. We run stagnant on water. We run low on water quality. And so the body can't use the water to cleanse and purify as it needs to. We're meant to be drinking natural mineral spring water. Right? But the municipal... City water supply, guess what? That's filled with pharmaceuticals. There we are, back to the pharmaceuticals. All right, that's another lecture in and of itself. But um, the good news is there's a website called findaspring.com. Yeah. Thank you, Mr. Vitalis, for putting that together. You can look at a map of springs all over the world where you can go and collect your own spring water and bring it back home. That would be lovely, wouldn't it? So, yes, drinking more water. Cleansers, how much water does the body use and lose in one day? Yes, very good. Three liters. There are some very special people in this room tonight who are on their first day of fasting. They're beautiful. Three liters of water. That's how much the body will lose and use simply by getting out of bed. That means we have to replenish that. If we sweat or if we're in dehydrating environments or we have dehydrating foods that have been too overly cooked, fried, or dried, if we drink super dehydrating things like coffee or alcohol, we have to do even more water to replace what we've lost. You see that? And this hydration, that's why I've written that at the bottom. Dehydration is at the root of most of these. So if we just go ahead and hydrate, we might alleviate most of these on their own. Because guess what? If we give the body more water, then that cold that you know it's trying to wash out with water, it's going to happen more effectively. 
So this is essentially our cleaning fluid for the entire body. And when our body is clean inside, it doesn't present symptoms outside. You see that? Does that make sense? So we were at pimples and acne. These are in stage one of two things. First of all, it's coming out the skin because it's not coming out the colon. Right? So if you're not pooping, then your body's going to say, ah, but I have all this toxicity and I always want to heal myself and help myself. Where is it going to come out? Our largest organ, the skin, by all means. Right? So anyone who's been to my lectures before or anyone who knows, how many times are human beings meant to poop? Yeah, there we go. I love all of your interpretations of answers. Once per meal per day. So if you eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner, that's three times a day. For most of you, that's probably pretty big news. That you're supposed to be pooping that much, yeah? Well, let that be an invitation for a task or a goal to achieve for the rest of your life. Right? The path to health is set out before you. And it says along it, poop more. <laughs> I hope someone writes that in chalk on my sidewalk one day. Yeah, for my book. <laughs> You're on to something. Very good. Okay, so pimples and acne, we have it. When it's white pus coming out, that's from the lymphatic system. When it's more yellowy, right, that could have means that it could have been in you for longer, right? All of it's essentially coming from the lymphatic system, but it could be indirectly from dirty blood. And more often than not, dirty blood is because the blood can't dump its toxicity into the colon because nothing's moving. All right, so ways to poop more in a nutshell. Hydrate, number one. Number two, squat. This is the position we're meant to be pooping in. Malasana, yogic squat. Right? And number three, give yourself time. Make time to poop. Yeah, That's revolutionary, I know. No, really, I've had people come back and be, and be like, I knew all that other stuff. But the fact that you told me to make time to poop, <laughs> I love it because it's so simple. Right? It's so simple. All of this is simple. From there, scabbing, we, we got that one. Frequent colds and immune problems. Anyone? I always catch the cold in the office, right? This whole idea of the cold going around the office is kind of a pharmaceutically based idea. Yeah? Because the thing is, does anyone know anything about gardening? I got like a room full of blank stares. Okay, well, I think you know this much. When you plant a seed in cement, will it grow? When you plant a seed in really healthy, vibrant soil, will it grow? Yes? Okay, good. So this is a bit of a backwards analogy. But what I'm telling to you is that your body is like earth or soil. And so if it's really healthy and you put good seeds in, good stuff will grow, right? If your body's really healthy and you put bad seeds in, your body will know how to take care of it. If your body is not healthy and you put bad seeds in, the body's going to be like, oh, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to manage this, right? Maybe I'll try to sneeze and eject it. You see that? Whereas the healthy body would just be able to process it. Yeah, it actually wouldn't be able to implant in the body at all. And so the thing is that that cold going around the office at work, it's not really contagious. In fact, the guy who invented germ theory said not too long after, you know what, that was the biggest mistake I made. This whole idea that we founded everything on, oh, you're sick, don't kiss me. Oh, I don't want to drink from the same glass as you. That's actually not true at all. 
Because the thing is, sure, whereas we might have certain bacteria that are contagious, definitely viral things that are contagious, if our own body is strong enough and able enough to get rid of whatever it's exposed to or process it correctly, then it won't implant in our body and we won't get sick. Right? So when sick people are around and they're like, oh no, I can't hug you, I'm like, give me a hug, give me, come on, expose me to that because I have confidence in my body because it's been enough years that I've been on the same team as my body and I've given back to my body and so now my body gives back to me. Yeah? I'm fasting right now. Right? I've been fasting for a few days and I feel great. Right? Because we're, our body, my body and I are on the same team. We're doing this together. I make sure to check in with it so I'm not overdoing things. That's what I did earlier. I overdid things. Remember I told you I had a point in the day? Yeah. Good. That happens to me too. I'm not perfect. Good. So, frequent colds. Right? Things like Runny nose, ear infection, right? Swollen throat. These are all symptoms from specifically the lymphatic system, which is like your SWAT team in your body. It's like your defense security guard that things are not going so well, right? And you don't have a strong immune system. Ways to boost your immunity, immune system? Boost your microbiome, right? Probiotics, making sure you're having them every day, mostly in food form. Make your own cultured and fermented foods. There's a really amazing coconut yogurt down here at the juice bar. I, I think the juice bar is closed now, but if you come back tomorrow, highly recommend it. It's the most incredible probiotic I have found worldwide. Yeah, it's called Kefir Life. Highly recommended. Um, from there, we can start to see that as you strengthen your body, you'll be at work in the office. This will be your ultimate test a few years from now, or maybe even one year from now, or six months, right? And someone will cough, and you'll be like, yeah, go ahead, cough again. Right? And expose yourself to it and see if you get sick. Would anyone be that brave? Would you trust your body that much? Because getting on the same team as your body means that you trust it. Because then you get to see that you don't get the cold, you don't get the cough, and then you can celebrate. Because that's when you know that you've raised the bar on health. All right, I think we have one more. Constipation. So constipation, this is a good old fun one. Um, yeah, constipation is happening uh, mostly because of dehydration, it's also happening uh, for a whole myriad of uh, issues. One of my clients today had constipation, and I got to circle and make this cool map that I'm going to publish. I'm going to show everyone. Um, I'm not going to say who she is, don't worry. But it was amazing when we start to look at how much really compounds to constipation. It has everything to do with the psychosomatic reasons of, no, oh, I can't poop there, right? Or... It has everything to do with the body saying, hey, it's dry in here. I can't move things through this water slide. Because that's what your colon is. It's a water slide. And if the water slide dries up, right, no kitties are going to be dropped off in the pool. That's a North American phrase for <laughs> pooping, right? Drop the kids in the pool. Okay, you need to watch more Hollywood movies. Just kidding, you don't. All right, so uh, the body's saying, yes, you're constipated. Things are dry in here. It's also saying... This tube or the water slide is not strong enough to push me out. So how can I strengthen the tube? Well, in a few different ways. You can do it through all kinds of abdominal work. You can do it through exercise in general. This will strengthen what's called the peristalsis or the inherent muscularity of your large intestine, right? Or 
what we practice here, Woods Method Colon Hydrotherapy. It's like on a gravity system. It's called Woods Method Colon Hydrotherapy. It's the only kind of colon hydrotherapy I've found worldwide. And it's like, I don't know, maybe 5% of colon hydrotherapists worldwide have been trained by our teacher, Helen Wood. Right? And in Woods Method Colon Hydrotherapy, we actually practice a therapy whereby we're rebuilding the large intestine through a system of pumping on the tube. And you'll feel that when you get a colonic. You'll feel that pumping. What that's doing is sending a muscular signal to your colon. It's like your colon is lifting weights at the gym, right? And it's getting stronger. So by where you're, when you're coming for the therapy here, we are strengthening you for afterwards so that you can be better able to poop on your own, right? So messages from the body when it comes to constipation are, hey, it's dry in here. Hey, this water slide's not strong enough to pump me out, right? Or how about this one? Hey, the food you're feeding me is as dry and hard as a rock. That's creating poop that's dry and hard like a rock. I can't move that through, right? Your colon is speaking very loud in that annoying voice. <laughs> yeah? And so what is the antidote? Well, it doesn't like dry, hard food, clearly. So how about soft, wet food? Can anyone name a soft, wet food? You Australians in the second row. There we go. Yeah, <laughs> Liam said it before anyone else. Fruit! Wow, cool! How about leafy green vegetables? Young, sweet, baby, tender leafy green vegetables? So I tend not to give dietary advice in these lectures because I find that if you don't have these foundations taken care of, that nothing else can really be suited if you substitute one thing or another. Right? If you don't eat peanuts anymore but you still can't poop, right? let's get you pooping first. So the only dietary advice that I do give is to eat more fruits and vegetables. And whatever you think more means, way more, three times that. Because guess what? That's water-containing fibrous matter. That is what's going to bulk up your bowel movement, make it wet, make it soft, and make it slip on through directly into the pool. Right? Yahoo, now we're sliding. <laughs> All right, so that's constipation. We have a few minutes left for questions. I hope that you found these messages from the body useful, and I really, more than anything, hope that when these messages come up in your body, God forbid they do, right? You're never going to be sick again in your life. You're all going to walk out of here and be forever healthy, right? That's my blessing I'm bestowing upon you right now. Beautiful. You'll let me know if it works. But if, just if my blessing isn't so strong, or if, if you choose to get sick because it's what's serving your higher purpose in that moment, what are you going to do? Are you going to listen to your body? Or are you going to try to pop a pill to cover up the symptoms so your headache goes away? Oh, did I not have headaches on there? I didn't have headaches on there. Okay, real quick. Headaches, that's a message about dehydration. You guys know that. It's also a message about constipation. Because in our large intestine, we have more than 300 million nerve endings. That's the second number of nerve endings anywhere in the body, second to the brain. And so when something like that hard rock is in there, right, or the unhappiness of the bacterial balance or imbalance, right, that's the microbiome. When you're not happy in your large intestine, you're not happy in your head. I guarantee you that. And so a headache... Right? When anyone in my life gives a headache, I say this often, has a headache, I hand them a big glass of water, I say, drink it. Right? They give it back, I give another one, and I say, drink it. And then I say, go to the toilet, squat there, breathe there, distract yourself, play on your phone or something. Let your mind go, because your body knows exactly what to do. 
spend as much time as you need. Often they come out within 10 minutes and they say, wow, I feel better. Right? This happens to us a lot in the colonics clinic. Someone will walk in and say like, oh, I have a headache. We'll put water in them, they'll start to release waste, and then they're like, whoa, my headache, it evaporated. <laughs> yeah, so there's a big head gut, just like lungs gut. There's these relationships in our body that we have to start to look at and realize. And the thing is that our body is a holistic being. Hi, Andreas. <laughs> and in that holism, when we acknowledge that, that's when we are all a beautiful team, perhaps a community, working together, right? to be in our natural state. And our natural state is health. All right, give me some questions. I'm going to go back there first, and then I'll come to you, I promise. So in terms of science, the body here, what do you think about the party? Oh, where were you last week? OK, so very smelly ones. I love it. So farting. This is, thank you. I should put that on the list. I'm going to incorporate that next time we give this lecture. So farting or burping, I will add to that, are messages from the body that something chemically did not react very well. Quite often, it's because you've put two things in together that were not happy together. And so it caused either fermentation. That's like if you have a simple sugar that has to sit and wait in your stomach before it can leave, it ferments. Right, and so that's going to result in your uh, 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 kind of burps or your <laughs> kind of farts. All right, those are gases of fermentation. As for the other kind, I think what you're talking about because you mentioned smelly, right? That's gases of putrefaction. It's things actually rotting in your guts. Right, and so this could be animal products. Quite often, spend a long time in the large intestine. They tend to putrefy and actually rot. Right? Well, the result of putrefaction is big gas bubbles. All right? So this can come out as or you're not my my body sounds are not funny anymore. I get that. No one laughed. Okay. So so whatever I can do to make myself laugh. When we have those, that's showing that indeed there's been an incorrect chemical reaction, perhaps something has stayed too long in the large intestine. Or we could have gas as a result of die-off of certain parasites. Right? When the parasites are about to die, they exhale their last little breath of life. Right? That's not really how it happens, but I like to dramatically play it out like that. And so gas could be the result of parasite die-off as well. Yeah, cool. So thank you. So the lecture last week that I was asking if you were here for was food combining. Did anyone come out for that? Yeah, awesome. So that's, that's one of my most popular lectures, and I give it every week because it's part of the Detox Retreat Week's curriculum. Uh, so come and join our Detox, and you can hear it. Or just come back on... When will it be, Eva? Two weeks from now. So two Mondays from now, I'll give that lecture again. Um, if you're not here because you're leaving Bali, why would you ever do that? You can go to my website, liveforvitality.com, and uh, I've started a podcast series as the result of many students asking for me to record these lectures, that's what I'm doing, so that you can stay in tune when you're not here in Bali. And when you're back at home and you want to continue to think critically about health, uh, you can download them. They're all free. They're online, all of that. Uh, so the food combining one's already up there, so you can even, if you're really curious, you can go and listen to it tonight if you can't wait for two weeks. Um, but that's, yeah, that's having to do with gas. And how do I know that? Because when I'm fasting, I don't burp or fart. So again, verify me. Don't believe me. My dear. Yeah, just for me, but 
Yes. Yeah, cool. So um, I'm not an Ayurvedic doctor. I never claim to be. I have interviewed more Ayurvedic doctors than any other white girl that I have ever met. <laughs> um, I've lived in India for the better part of five plus years, and um, I'm very curious about the system of Ayurveda. I can tell you that uh, as it's been verified more or less, Ayurvedic often lifestyle practices and dietary advice has drastically changed to meet the modern Indian society and diet and lifestyle. Yeah, so that's one part of it. Another part of it is that um, Ayurveda and Chinese medicine as well are what I call new medical sciences. Right? You've probably heard of them as ancient, right? Well, the truth is they're only like three, four, five thousand years old, maybe six thousand years old. Well, the work that I do as a natural medicine practitioner or perhaps a natural hygienist is going way, way, way back in time, like three to three and a half million years. So that's ancient. Right? These new systems are medicines of civilization, whereby they're telling us how to live in modern society. All right? And is modern society healthy or not? Come on, I only ask easy questions. <laughs> yeah, not so healthy. All right, we can say that pretty confidently. Yeah, when you look at any hospital anywhere in the world, right, or any pharmaceutical income, right, or any money spent on healthcare. No, we're not really healthy. And so these systems of medicine are actually systems of medicine. They are acknowledging inherent disease, imbalance. What I practice is acknowledging health, is acknowledging that healing potential is acknowledging that your body is already healthy, you just have to stop all those things that's making it unhealthy and allow it to heal itself. Yeah? So what I would say in answer to that is that vata, pitta, and kapha, the constitutions or the types of people that you have in Ayurveda are different kinds of imbalances. Okay? But that doesn't mean that a vata can't poop three times a day because she's inherently going to have more of a challenge right, than someone who's pitta or kapha. You see that? So they're acknowledging an imbalance. They're acknowledging what's a challenge for you. And by all means, something for you is going to be more challenging than something for you. Right? Maybe she's better at playing the violin and she's better at playing the piano. Who knows? We all have our different strengths and our different challenges. And that's just what the constitutions are. That doesn't mean that she can't learn to play the violin as best as the rest of them. Yeah, it takes practice. So this pooping three times a day thing, it takes practice. Does that answer your question? Okay. Yes, sir. How long after a meal should you Okay, I love this question. So this has to do with transit time. Oh, I'm over. All right, last question. This has to do with transit time, the amount of time it should take for something to enter the mouth to when it leaves the anus. So who was here last week? What's the answer? Perfect human transit time. 17 and a half to 24 hours between those two. Anything less than that is diarrhea. Anything longer than that is constipation. If I had asked you guys to answer, you probably wouldn't have known the answer. That happens in every group. And it's incredible that we've been eating and pooping and eating and pooping our entire lives, yet we have no idea how long it takes for something to enter in one side and exit the other. Right? And so, what is the answer? From what they said, what is the answer to your question? 
Okay, so 17 hours after you eat it, it should come out. But wait a minute, you're having dinner tonight, and you also had dinner last night. So that 24-hour part of their comment means that you're going to hopefully poop out dinner tonight, dinner from last night, before you go and eat dinner tonight. Does that make sense? But in general, what's happening is it's igniting this muscular movement throughout the entire system, whereby when you take something in, there's a muscular system, signal that's sent through the system, pushing everything along. So when you're finished with dinner, especially if you're out to a restaurant or on a date or something like that, you can say, excuse me, I have to make a phone call. Right? That'll allow you to have as much time as you need. Right? And then you can go to the toilet, make a quick phone call, and then take your time pooping. Yeah. So I'll make a compromise a little over that 24 hours. Once your peristalsis has already started to be active, pretty soon after a meal, you should feel like you have to poop. Right? If you poop before the meal, I'll give you a bigger high five. I'll just give you a high five for pooing anyway. All right. So I'm glad we have that together. So everyone, I love you all. Thank you so much for a, for a fun evening. There are some resources up here if you're interested. Um, for those of you who didn't get to ask questions or for those of you who are going to leave this room and say, oh, I wish I had asked her that. I do have a forum for those kind of questions to come. Uh, it is in the form of a Facebook page. And I started this a while ago to, to make this conversation continue. Yeah, it doesn't have to stop now. So you can come and take a picture of this, or I have a bunch of these little cards that has both my website and the Facebook page on them. So you can come grab these. They work really well as bookmarks, I've been told. And um, then I have a mailing list if you want to come and sign up. I send out free meditations and yoga classes and um, the podcasts on the mailing list, and you can stay in touch, and I would love to... Uh, talk to you and you can also leave comments here if let's say you want me to speak about something next week come and write it here and I'll do that um, and then if you want to join the woo, cleanse program the last one until the end of the month starts tomorrow and I think we only have a, maybe one or two spots left um, so if you are interested go ahead and talk to Eva she's in the back there she's our awesome cleanse intern she has her legs up the wall like a good girl really good posture inversion um, and then otherwise Guys, you're perfect. That's part of the you're already healthy thing. You don't need to change anything. Just start to think critically, and it will happen on its own when you're ready. All right? So I'll see you next time. Thank you for being here. Good night. See you. Incredible people. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Remember, you don't have to change anything right away. Simply become more consciously aware. Tune in next time for more interpretations of our body signals. And don't forget to reprioritize your life around your health to live with maximum vitality.